Welcome to this BEC podcast. My name is Rasmus Beck, and uh, today with me, uh, a Dutch guy, Rob Miele. Welcome to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's not the first time. It will not be the last time we were sitting here, but uh, it's been a while, actually, because of, of COVID, of course. Uh, how's the 16-month been for you? Strange, as, as for everyone, probably. Uh, I really really missed playing tournaments especially like last summer when when there was no olympics no no european championships in football uh and everything i really missed it but i'm really happy uh it's getting a bit more normal to play again to travel again and uh do what we love and it's also actually a chance to get that partnership of yours uh, especially with tees uh going uh first and foremost uh you want a good track with your former partner who chose to retire and then into a new partnership, and then lockdown basically came. Uh, it was not that far. You made it before before that. Uh, what which frustration or thoughts has there been in in the last couple of months or half a year basically in, in that term? Actually, I I didn't think about it that much. Honestly, I was just going with the flow. I accepted the situation that that Jaco had retired and that we just had to start from zero. Um, and we we tried to use um, the first year because we started in, in 2019 um, already. Uh, we tried to just get to know each other. How are we feeling on court? How are we playing? Um, what is things that 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 we need to improve on together? Uh, of course, he's a younger guy, so it, it was all new for him to play bigger tournaments. Um, and yeah, of course, it was frustrating after that that men's team championships uh, in February and also we won the nationals uh, two weeks before that so we were in, 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 a, in a good flow so it was frustrating at the start but uh, what else than, than adapting can you do so uh, we just try to to focus a lot on practice uh, on development and, and we had faith in that tournaments would come again and, and we just waited out actually <laughs> A few years ago, you and I spoke at uh, Belgium International, where we talked about this uh, generation you had at that point. Uh, it was one of Jakos' last tournaments, actually, as far as I remember. Uh, Jelle Maas was there still, and, and, and you were actually uh, building up quite a good team. Right now, they're not here, any of these two guys. You're one of the oldest, actually, at the moment in, in, the, in the men's group. Uh, with you, uh, uh, Mark and, and Robin, as 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 uh, as, as uh, yeah. one of the of the oldest ones, how is it to now look at that and saying, okay, I need to be the responsible here. I need to lead the way with Mark and with Robin, so the youngsters can actually follow follow us, so we can actually build a team which can again show that okay, we're here to stay. Yeah, it, I try not to think too much about that actually that that I'm the oldest guy because I'm only 24 and to think about that I'm I'm one of the older ones is is a little scary actually why but I'm I'm because why is it scary I, to I, think I about still that? I still hope to to be in here for a long time so uh, to to think I'm old is is not the right way to think for me but um I'm actually used that used to that we have a pretty small team uh we practice with so when I came in we we only had uh like 10 players at the seniors, both women and, and men. So it, it is a small team that I've always practiced with and worked with. Um, I just try to take every day and, 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 and try to take every practice with the guys and girls we have uh, in the best way possible to, to, to improve. And uh, yeah, of course, Selena is, is now 
really like the, the oldest uh, in our team and um, yeah, she, she, she is trying to help the younger girls uh, and so are Robin, uh, Mark and, and, and me trying to help some of the younger guys that are sometimes practicing with us from the juniors uh, to help them raise the level and, and, and hopefully also fight for, for our spot in the future. We saw you guys win the medal in the event uh, in February 2020. Uh, everybody who saw the celebration remember that. Um, it's, you guys are one of the team with the most potential if we look towards the ranking. Um, what will the future bring, you think, if we look five years down the line from here? I think that, that, that's a nice compliment. Um, ideally, you, of course, hope to challenge the best in, in Europe every time. I, I really hope that... that it was not just one occasion where we showed that we can can compete for medals and even for a final. Um, of course, we have to admit that that as soon as we saw we were not playing Denmark in the quarters or the semis, that we were like relieved <laughs> um, because their men's team is, is extremely strong still, I think. Um, but we just try to 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 become stronger as a group. Uh, we are working on that um, and. We just hope to to win these medals every single time, uh, team events, individual championships, to show that that we are like not a big badminton country, but especially in Europe, a country that that matters and and people uh, are maybe a little afraid of to play against. We've seen that that uh, that your singles player uh, Mark and Joran uh, has moved to Denmark yeah. uh, to to practice there. We have seen that. Soraya has been uh, also traveling to, to, to get her uh, women's singles career going. Same for Gail. We've seen some of the very young players. We saw them in, in December for the mixed team qualification, who is part of the uh, national training in, in, in the Netherlands. Uh, I think they were like six, 17, 18 years old. Um, what did it do to you seeing that, okay, uh, my, my sparring partner, the friends who I have on, on practice, they're actually leaving the country to chase their goals. I'm staying here because that's a priority of the of the federation. Yeah, it, they actually left in in cooperation with the federation. So it it was not that they they didn't want to practice in the Netherlands anymore. But at that time, uh, with a few coach switches and 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 all the stuff that was going on, um, it was the best solution for them to move to Denmark and and practice practice with uh, Jonas um, to have more sparring. Also, they they have used some Danish club players. For sparring as well, um, because we just don't have that in the Netherlands. We we don't have the the, the luxury of, of yeah practicing with with club players because their level is just not the same. Um, so it was a necessary move at that time um, for the Olympics in in Tokyo, um, and of course their move was extended by a year because of all the things that happened. Um, but I'm actually pretty sure that they will come back after the Olympics uh, because the Federation also wants to think about the next generation. And we need Mark and Joran also to build on the next generation of, of singles players uh, to improve them. Um, so we are actually trying to build um, a practice facility where we can have a constant flow of, of juniors yeah, coming up to the seniors, challenging them and, and this uh, process uh, going on, but but it is necessary for yeah, junior players to to practice with the seniors sometimes. How is it to come from a country where 
if we look on population, it's not small, it's not big. If we look at geography, it's kind of small. But you know that you said it yourself, we, had ten, we were 10 players when I arrived, came into the national training. Uh, the numbers are not much higher now, to be honest. How is it to know that, okay, we're actually a pretty decent country, but there are no players? Yeah, At least on the national team. It, it is, I think it, it also makes you kind of proud in some way that we have such a small team and still are able to produce uh, results even on the, on the highest level in the world. Like Mark reached the semi-final at the All England, uh, quarterfinals at World Championships. Uh, I think we have had a lot of European medals through the years. Um, so knowing that, that there is actually this talent, um, I think is, is, is a good thing. Um, and it's also just the approach by, by the Federation and our NOC that, that limits some stuff. Like there's also financial borders in, in what our Federation can do, in what our NOC can do. So it, it's not all our own choice that we have such a small team. Um, but we just make the best of it and we, we practice every day with, with the same guys and, and we are used to it also. Of course, it's hard for you to be objective on this one, but is the amount of money that Batman get in the Netherlands, is it fair compared to what you deliver? That's a, that's a really tough question. I think, I think with not much more, but a little more, we could uh, up our game in a few areas quite a lot. Um, in which areas? I think in 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 uh, like traveling. Like for for instance, if we travel to tournaments, we sometimes go without a coach, which is a financial issue a lot of times. Uh, we don't take uh, medical uh, staff with us because we don't have the money for it. Um, we have to search for cheaper hotels sometimes, which is not available at the moment with Corona, but. Uh, usually, we try to to search for the cheapest um, options, and I think if if we don't have to think about stuff like that and we become a little more professional, it could help us a lot in in, in growing as a sport and also growing the sport in the Netherlands because I think that's the the basic of of popularity and of of results is also a little bit of the popularity in of the sport in your country. Do you believe that there's an open door somewhere to these kind of finances? We are working on it. Uh, I think our, our technical like department of the Federation is of course working hard to to seek opportunities at our NOC, in sponsors and everything to, to try to make it easier for us. Um, but it's really hard for me to, to, to say if they are doing a good job, if they are succeeding, because I'm just not not thinking about that too much. Mm. Ruben, another topic I would like to touch point on today is that for one and a half year or so, uh, I have been uh, writing on a story uh, with your sister, yeah. uh, which break uh, this week, just before the European Championships. The uh, boy, your sister, the uh, women's doubles mixed doubles player, uh, who's also here in Kiev with us this week, uh, told about healthcare issues. Uh, and uh, I saw that you shared uh, your comments on social media and I'd actually like to talk to you about being uh, being part of that journey for, for Deborah. Yeah. Um, you, you wrote that you were very, very proud of her stepping forward to be a role model. Um, how was it to see Sister Story go out? Yeah, it's like mental health is something that, that's like a big 
taboo, I think, uh, amongst a lot of people. And, and I've seen her struggle a lot, obviously, and, and also my parents, which is pretty tough to say and, and tough to talk about also, uh, honestly. But to see her opening up, which has been a part of the problem, um, is something, of course, that I'm, I'm really proud of. And, and I also encourage other people struggling to do because it, it, it does help to, to talk and to share your story. So I really hope also that, that by uh, my sister sharing hers, uh, if it only helps one or two extra people that are daring to step up and daring to, to take the step to, to be honest to themselves and to others, I think that would be amazing. Are you also aware that what you do can also be important in a process for others? Yeah, obviously, like, um, for me personally, uh, mental health is, is something I have never struggled with. Um, you have your downs, you have your ups, but um, I've never been very low. Um, and it's also hard to imagine for a lot of people, like, why are you thinking like that? And and I also had the same, like, when I when I first... Um, heard about that that she was struggling with that I was a little bit like how you know I couldn't put my finger on on what was going wrong and <clears throat> I think it is um, very very hard to to penetrate the the these emotions and feelings but I just try to tell her always that she could always come to me and she could always ask for my help and and I would always try to, to to be there for her if she needed me. And, and uh, I'm not sure if she she did it enough or she she did it too much. I, I can't say that, but at least I, I was trying to be open and, and tell her that she could say everything she wanted to say. Maybe, room because one thing is what Deborah told. Uh, we will have Deborah on the podcast later on so she can tell the story herself. So let's, let's deal with, let's her deal with that. But as a relative to a person struggling with healthcare, you say, I was there for you, yeah, or I was there for her. What did you do? I, it's things like asking her to, to eat together, uh, for instance, because yeah, you just want to make sure she's, she's all right, or uh, asking her to, to talk to you, or just trying to stay in touch more often than, than usual, because I'm, like, we are both not the, the type of person that are calling each other every day, normally, uh, besides all the practice and everything. But just try to, I try to step it up a little more and try to let her know, like, you matter to, to me and, and to, to our parents, of course. You, you matter very, very dearly. So um, letting her know that, that we are there, I think. Mm. Well, how has it influenced the way you now look at, at mental health care? Um, Probably the way I look at it hasn't changed that much, but probably the, the awareness. Like, I, if you don't experience it in your life, in your relatives, you're not thinking about it a lot. You're always a bit like, that, that, that's far away, you know? Um, but if it comes this close, it, it's, of course, something you, you are thinking about a lot more often. And uh, what Deborah also said, I remember from, from the talks we have had, is that everybody knows one, but you don't know who. Um, can you now pinpoint, I don't want you to mention any names, that's no fair, but can you now see that 
okay, walking around here with a group of people, either being off-court, on-court friends, being strangers, that, okay, maybe he, she might need shout-out? No, actually not, because I think that's the, 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 the issue. She also pinpointed that in the uh, interview, that it's, to the outside world, it is relatively easy to, to hide. Uh, for a lot of people, it is easier to hide their, their real feelings and real emotions. And she was actually a master at that because at first I, I also was like, my parents could call me and say like, was she okay? And I said, yeah, we just had a good practice and she was smiling all the way and I brought her home and it was fine. You know, so, I, so it also took a lot of time for me to actually recognize sometimes that it wasn't right. And I actually, I don't know if I should mention, but I remember that uh, we played together in Austria. We lost in the first round and, and I felt on court that she was extremely like nervous, full of tension and I thought like, what, what's wrong, you know, is, is it me, is it the game, is she just playing bad or thinks she's playing bad, what is it? And I remember after that match, um, she came to me uh, or, or we, we sat down in the, in the cool down area and, and she just immediately started crying and just said like I'm I'm feeling so bad and not about the game but I'm just so unhappy at the moment and it was actually that was the first time she spoke those words to me directly so I was yeah yeah of course I I, I hugged her and and I tried to to calm her and try to say it, it's it's okay but it's 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 really difficult to see family members struggle, honestly. It, it, it makes me a little emotional now, actually. Mm. How is it to see her today? Uh, it's, it's, it's always nice, I think. I think uh, I'm, I'm proud of her, not only of her mental health, but also the way that, that she's playing, actually. I think she, she's a she's very decent badminton player. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we, we have grown to each other more in this period. The last 16 months have actually made us uh, stay in touch more. Uh, and just as the whole family, I think we, we have learned and we've also grown. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a process which, yeah, in, in which she is maybe centralized. But we all try to, to improve as, as persons and as, as family, as brother, as father, as mother. And I have another uh, older brother who's living in, in, in Belgium, I think he is also trying to, yeah, to be there a, bit of, uh, a little bit more uh, than, than we have been. So something good came out of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not there yet, uh, I admit, but um, of course we, yeah, we are trying to, to get better every day. I wish you and your family the very best, uh, Ruben, and, and thanks for also letting me into your family's life. Uh, it's been a process and it is a process, but uh, thank you for opening up. Uh, and I'll say the same to the poor for sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And thanks for, for giving her also the, the opportunity to, to tell her story because I think it's, it's, it's really important and it's something that we, we shouldn't try to, to put the taboo on too much. And on that note, we will actually wrap up the podcast. If you struggle with health care, uh, health care issues and uh, mental health care issues, uh, please reach out to somebody who can help you. That would be the encouragement for, for both Ruben and I. And thank you for watching this BC podcast.